This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. Let's get into the scriptures. Are you ready? Jesus, we thank you for doing amazing things right now. For opening the beauty of your word to us and drawing us closer to the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord is, he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God Almighty is three in one. Okay? Anything other than that is complete rubbish. God is three in one. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. He has chosen, he, let, let me back up. He reveals himself perfectly as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yet within the culture of the Trinity, within the, the fabric, I, we could say that, of the Trinity, is this Trinity love. That there is knit covenant between the members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Genesis chapter 1 says, in the beginning, I hope you're there, man, and get a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, I, I get the whole iPad thing, but man, am I the only one who just loves the, you know, the feel of the Bible? Man, I love this Bible. You know, it's got tears on it, and you, can, you, you can't cry on your iPad. You know, it just kind of like drips off. I mean, get a Bible. But if you're on your iPad, you know, whatever. We forgive you. But anyways, okay. Sorry, had a moment there. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God, that word for God is Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Elohim, was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, let's, let's, let's get this picture. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, Elohim. Elohim speaks of the triune nature of God. It's, it, it, um, there are not many gods, but, but, but the actual word speaks of like plurality. One God in three. Three in one, one in three. So let's read it from that perspective. In the beginning, Elohim, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of Elohim, the Spirit of God, so the Holy Spirit, that specific member of the Godhead, not the Father, not the Son, the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of the Son, was hovering over the face of the deep. The reason we started here in Genesis 1 is because I wanted to dismantle the myth that the Holy Spirit showed up in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit has been on the scene in beautiful activity, revealing Jesus since Genesis chapter 1. And you know what? The Bible says in the book of Revelation that the, that the Lord will destroy His enemies with the breath of His mouth. That breath is the Holy Spirit. You know, it's the Holy Spirit who's chosen to take up His residence within us. And it's the Holy Spirit within us that the Father is jealous for. It causes our emotions and our heart to go up. It's that updraft of the Spirit. And one day will be taken home by the Spirit. Regardless of your eschatology, whether or not you believe in this or that, one thing is for sure, we are going to glory. And that will require the power of the Spirit. So from beginning to end, the Holy Spirit has been on the scene, weaving a beautiful line, a beautiful trail 
throughout the scriptures pointing us to one thing. And this is that, I should say, to one person. And this is, this is that, to Jesus and His beauty. So when you understand this, when you understand the role of the Spirit, you'll begin to read your Bible differently. You will not look at it as a history book. And this one might upset some people, but it's the truth. God did not give us the Bible, ultimately, so that we would fall in love with our Bibles alone. God gave us the Bible so that we would fall in love with God. We have to get that. Some people are so proud of the fact that they have all of their doctrine so perfect. They think that that's what qualifies them. They think that that's what draws you near to the heart of the Lord. That's that's a complete falsehood. In fact, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for knowing Scripture and not realizing Him. You know, and that can happen today. Is that We can know our favorite verse, we can know our favorite Scriptures, and not realize Jesus. Think of it. So He can be there manifesting Himself, doing things in the lives of people. And it's possible to know more chapter and verse than the guy next to you, but the guy next to you is enjoying the shepherd while you're enjoying Psalm 23. Now, I don't want to discount the power of the Scriptures. Look, my Bible's open. I love my Bible. I would say I read it almost as much as anybody watching. I mean, I'm in the Word nonstop. I, I love the Word of God. But the goal of me reading is not so I can come back to you and prove to you how much I know. It, that, 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 that is not the reason that God gave us the Bible. Jesus said, The Scriptures speak of me, but you would not come to me. That was part of the broken heart of God after He gave Israel the law. Paul even talks about it in Romans, that God gave the law to the children of Israel. What was the Lord saying? You hear it in the cry of the Lord in the Old Covenant. Oh, that my people would fear me and follow all my commandments. Why did He give the commandments? What, were, what was the law? The law, the law was the terms of the marriage covenant that took place in Sinai between the Lord and Israel. And Paul said, look, the, the, law is, the law is supposed to show you your need for the Lord. We know that. But some people are so hooked and so glorying in the fact that they know chapter and verse, yet, yet they don't have love in their hearts. They're not leading people to Jesus. They're not, they, they don't wake up in the morning wanting to be with the Lord so bad. You know, you can be prideful about knowing your Bible. Again, I want to I be very clear. You need to know your Bible, but you don't need to be prideful about knowing your Bible. And unless the, the one we're reading about becomes a reality to us, and then once it becomes a reality, until it becomes personal relationship, personal contact, dialogue while we're reading the Scriptures, then we're, we are not experiencing the fullness of what God wants us to experience. So as the Holy Spirit just begins to show that beautiful thread throughout the Scriptures, what He's really trying to do is cause us to see, wow, this is all about Jesus. So when you read about the, uh, for instance, when you read about the animal skins that the Lord covered Adam and Eve with after they fell, 
The Lord was not trying to start a clothing company. You know, and it wasn't because they were freezing cold. Paul Teske, he said the funniest, it was so funny. He said, uh, he said, uh, it's okay to share each other's thoughts. The only original thought was fig leaf underwear, fig underwear. It didn't work so well. So, you know, Adam and Eve in their own strength couldn't even make underwear. But the Lord didn't, the Lord didn't create those animal skins so that he could merely give them clothing. It was a prophetic picture. I believe, I believe those animal skins came from a lamb. And it was a prophetic picture that one day the father would allow his son to be slain so that that beautiful blood, remember the, the inside of those skins would have been soaked with blood as the father covered Adam and Eve. So that, that beautiful blood would cover us. So as the father looked at us one day, that he would look through the lens of the blood of Jesus and that we wouldn't have to run from God and hide in a bush. See, the whole thing's about Jesus. All of it is about Jesus. Noah is about Jesus. Noah's ark is not about a boat. You know how much I love to fish? It's not about fishing. Imagine that. It's not about a boat. It's, it's about the fact that Jesus is the ark. That the window that the dove flew out of was a picture of the fact that the side of Jesus would be speared and lanced and that as water and blood flowed out, that the Holy Spirit flew out of that ark looking for a place to land to one day bring back the olive branch, the sign of peace and the sign of anointing. Isn't that what happened to us? After Jesus gave his life, after Jesus laid his life down, when his side was opened, it gave access to the church, that, that the church could step into the heart of God. That Jesus was saying, I'm open now. There's an opening. And as the Holy Spirit flew out of the ark, Blood and water flew out of Jesus to wash away our sin in blood and water to bring refreshing, days of refreshing in the Spirit. It's amazing. The whole thing is about Jesus. Remember that. David's life, there are so many prophetic pictures, so many beautiful prophetic pictures regarding the anointing. Psalm 22, if you look at the beautiful, I mean, that's not even types in a shadow, Psalm 22. They pierced my hands and my feet. Why am I telling you this? I want you to understand the role of the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures, what He's trying to do. He is wanting us, in fact, He's burning with passion and burning with zeal to show us who Jesus is. So people ask me, man, why'd you write a book on the Holy Spirit? You know, your ministry's called Jesus Image, and uh, you preach Jesus everywhere you go. I said, the reason I preach Jesus everywhere I go it's because I've been touched by the Holy Spirit. I'm not preaching the Jesus I'm crazy about. I'm preaching the Jesus the Holy Spirit's crazy about. And the Bible says this, that He takes up earthen vessels. He begins to use normal people like you and I. And I, I, I was having a conversation on my way here with Eric Gilmore. And, and, uh, and I don't know if you're watching, bro, but I was, I, I was telling Eric... The more I walk with the Lord, you know, believe it or not, I'm 40 this year. And I never thought that would come. But the more I walk with the Lord, I begin to hear old sayings of other people that I looked up to. who I, I, I didn't understand what they were talking about. I, I thought I did. I thought I had an idea of what Miss Kuhlman would say when she would say, I've died a thousand deaths. It's about surrender. It's not me. It's all the Holy Spirit. And as you walk with the Lord... And as, as you 
as you have a desire to carry more of the Lord, more of His presence and be more like Him, as you stay with Him, you realize that your walk with Him is, you're not always skirting the shores of Galilee with the masses loving you, where you feel super welcome. It's not always the case. Sometimes you're walking down a lonely road as Jesus is carrying His cross. He's all alone. Most have left Him except those very faithful. And you're walking down that road following Jesus to a place where He would ultimately die. And, and Madame Guyon said it like this, Jean Guyon. She said, when you love Jesus, the, you love the Jesus of the Mount of Transfiguration. No, actually, let me back up. She said it like this. You love the Jesus of the crucifixion as, love, as much as you love the Jesus of the Mount of, of Transfiguration. In other words, the heart that loves Jesus wants Jesus any way you can have Him, regardless of the season of life, regardless of where you're walking with Him. You, you know, it's awesome to walk, through him, walk with Him through Galilee. We celebrate all those, those types of encounters where... We're, we are, we're in a season of our life, or I shouldn't say encounters, those seasons where we're walking with the Lord. And man, there's, it's moving. There's people everywhere. They're running up to us. They want to be around us. There's miracles. We're celebrated. Food's multiplying. It's beautiful. There's prosperity. There's breakthrough. And then all of a sudden, the Lord begins to speak some truth to those who are with Him. And that's what truth will do. So He says something like this in John chapter 6. He says, not something. This is exactly what he said. He said, if you don't eat my body and drink my blood, you can have no part in me. And the Bible says that they left with the exception of a few. And Jesus looks at those who stayed and said, hey, are you going to leave too? See, these are sides of the Lord where Jesus is wanting not only for us to see what's in us, but he's also wanting to see how we feel about him. And when you walk with the Holy Spirit, what he's, what he's trying to do, you know, the, the, the Lord has a goal. It's Romans chapter 8. This is the goal, that we would be conformed into the very image of His Son. That, that you and I, what's God's goal for us on earth? Is it to win the masses? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to do it. We're going we're, we're to see millions saved. Is it to heal the sick? Absolutely. If not, why would Jesus go to the whipping post. I mean, we're not going to waste his stripes. We can't. People say, how do you know it's the will of God to heal that person you're praying for? Well, number one, I believe in the goodness of the Lord. And I don't know why a lot of people aren't healed. Let me say that. But if I'm going to be guilty for praying for everyone who comes my way, then I'm willing to do that. You know, I'd rather err on that side than not pray for them because I think the Lord's sovereign. In the Lord's sovereignty, He's chosen to use us. In the Lord's sovereignty, He chose to give His back. And as Bill says, the Lord didn't turn anybody away. I don't have all the answers. But when I'm praying for the sick, I'm not praying for them just because they're sick. I feel like I owe Jesus something. That I don't know, I mean, I'm believing in that moment the best I can that they're going to be healed in that moment. But you know, the scripture says that many were healed as they came to Jesus. Many were healed when they were with Jesus. Many were healed as they went. 
I don't know at what point it's going to happen, but I just know my job. My job is to obey the Lord. And the Lord told us that we're to preach the gospel, that we're to lay hands on the sick, and he said they'd recover, that we're to cast out demons, and that we're to raise the dead. And that we're to disciple, we're to make disciples of the nations, and that we're to teach people what Jesus said in the scriptures. So, when you walk with the Lord, and you understand that His desire is to make us like His Son, that we are, that He is wanting to actually take us and, and, and mold us in to the, to, to the image of His Son. That only happens by the Holy Spirit. And to get there, when you walk in union with the Lord, you have to walk through those moments that like Jesus walked through while He was here. So, so for instance, some, I, I've seen it. I've seen it in, in people who are being raised up at times. I've seen it in younger leaders. I've seen it in people who aren't big names. I've seen it in people who are in families. A lot of people pass the difficulty tests. What, what they often don't pass is the success test. Joseph did not fail while he was in prison, while he was in the pit. He did not fail at Potiphar's house. But when did he fail? When he began to play with his brother's emotions, kept Benjamin back and began to mess with them. That's when he failed. That's when a lot of us can fail. And the only thing that keeps us is taking our heart and throwing it down daily at the feet of Jesus. And so... Breakthrough is awesome. But the Lord is even trying to conform us into the image of His Son during those seasons. When we feel alone, the Lord is trying to teach us what Jesus felt like when He was all alone. It happened all the time. When we're tired because we're giving our lives and giving our hearts and giving our passions to the Lord, the Lord is trying to show us what it felt like when Jesus was asleep on the bow of the boat. He wasn't sleeping to take a fake nap. He was sleeping because... He had to take a, he wanted to take a nap. It was a real nap. Yes, he was all God and all man, but he, he wanted to take a nap. So the Lord is showing us these things. Why? To conform us and to, to mold us in to the image of Jesus. That is the job of the Holy Spirit in the church. Is he's wanting us to make us like, he's wanting to make us like the beautiful husband and bridegroom. Why is that? Well, Jesus one day, you know, this marriage will be consummated. We are going to have a feast in heaven called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. That's why the Lord's waiting for every spot and every wrinkle to be removed from the bride so that the Lord can enjoy a bride of like kind. We have been filled. Paul said it. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that's the job of the Holy Spirit is to show us Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Man. Okay. So in that theme, in that line of thought, I'm going to begin teaching out of chapter 6 of Holy Spirit. And I want you to uh, have another look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. I want you to notice the progression here. Because it's important that we understand this progression if we want to be completely, oh, I should say this. 
if we want to be as effective as possible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. That is a life without Jesus. That is also a prophetic picture of a life without the Lord, of a heart without the Lord. Whenever the, the scriptures speak of waters, yeah, they're actually speaking about the waters here on the earth. But prophetically speaking, it's a picture of the waters in our hearts. And whenever you hear the, 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 the word waters in the scriptures, it speaks of, obviously, baptism. It speaks of the washing of the word, the word of God, and the spirit of the Lord. Okay, and the spirit of man. Because remember what David said, deep calleth unto deep, right? As waves billowing at the sound of thy many waterfalls. Speaking of water here, that God's spirit is spoken of as water and that David had a depth in him, that his spirit felt like water and those depths, the depths of his soul were crying out and only water could feed the water within him. So he was crying out for what was, his spirit needed the Holy Spirit, okay? And that's what he was asking for. So I want you to picture now a life that is formless and void and, 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 and completely dark. Now, if the Bible says it is dark, it's dark. If the Bible says it's void, that means completely empty. It's really empty. If the Bible says it's, it's, that it's without form, imagine our lives having no shape, no, no reason to live. You know, the scripture says that it's in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. That's the opposite of what I'm talking about now. This, this, what I'm reading to you, is the exact opposite of that kind of life. There's no movement, there's no living, there's no being, there's no sense of being, there's no shape to us. We're empty and dead inside. What is God's response? And the Spirit, this is verse 2, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. God's response, as I said last week, is always the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's always the touch of the Holy Spirit. He's always the first one on the scene. Then God speaks. That's verse 3. And God said, let there be light. When the Holy Spirit is free, when He's free to move, when He's free to be Himself, when He's welcomed, when there's beautiful worship, when, when the culture of our hearts gives way for the Spirit, when we're not backbiting, when we're not attacking, when we can uh, go to someone we have an ought with and talk it out, when there's a culture of connection, when there's a culture of you mean more to me than, than what I believe, all of these give way to the Holy Spirit. It creates a wineskin and it gives room for the Holy Spirit to begin to drip and begin to move. Okay, we have to learn to live that life. So Jesus said, and I'm going to get into this next week, Jesus said this, speaking of the Spirit to his disciples, he said, you know him, for he is with you and shall be in you. Before he's in us, he is with us. So Jesus said, you know him. The world doesn't know him, but you know him. Why did he say that? Because the Holy Spirit was on Jesus. He was, he was, he was guiding the life of Jesus as son of man. He was, he was the connection between Jesus and the Father. Jesus didn't. The Holy Spirit brought, brought literally brought the Word, the, in, the pre-incarnate Word. And the Bible says that, that Mary was made pregnant by the Spirit of the Lord. That the power of the Most High overshadowed her. 
And, and, and the scriptures say, a body thou hast prepared for me. It was the Holy Spirit that, 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 that implanted the pre-incarnate word into, into Mary, into that womb. And so the Holy Spirit, is an, as a, he's a person with amazing power, with amazing ability. But what he does is, is, as he begins to move, as he overshadowed the waters here, and notice he began to overshadow Mary. The Bible says the power, the angel said, the power of the Most High will, will come upon you and overshadow you. When you understand that the Holy Spirit begins to give way and moisten hearts, he begins to, to, to uh, trickle on hard hearts the moisture of his presence. Worship brings that. Worship brings that. You know, if you're going to err, err in worship. I mean, just worship too much. Uh, my father-in-law says this, if I have ten minutes to pray, I'm going to worship for nine. I love that. It's so true. When I wait on the Lord, I'm waiting on the Lord and worshiping. My prayer list takes maybe ten minutes. Maybe. Maybe ten minutes. And so, worship, all of a sudden begins to bring us into a place. It doesn't bring the Holy Spirit to where we are. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. We don't worship the Lord to get the Lord. We worship the Lord because the Lord's there. He's the one quickening us to worship Him. What do I mean when I say that? All of the sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to be magnified. He begins to show Himself. We begin to be purified in worship and through the washing of the Word of God. We begin to be purified so we can begin experiencing the one who's been there. Now, is he in every corporate meeting? No. No. There are many churches who do not experience the Holy Spirit. I don't mean people falling, signs, wonders, miracles. I'm just talking about them being able to experience the Lord. Why? Because Jesus made a statement in Matthew 18, verse 20. He said that when two or three gather in his name, he is there even in the midst of them. Just because it's a church building doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is there orchestrating the meetings and it doesn't mean His presence is manifesting. Are you following me? The key is you have to meet in the name of Jesus. You have to meet in the name of Jesus. Now, we can disagree. You know, I guarantee you there is nobody in your life that you agree with 100% about everything in the Bible. Now, you might be able to argue them into agreeing with you, which is really just control. But there's nobody in your life that you agree with 100% about the Bible. It's a big book. Okay? And what are we to agree on? On the name of Jesus, who He said He is. That He's Son of God, fully God, fully man, divine that he's the only way to the Father, that he suffered, that he died, that he was raised from, that he was buried, that he was raised from the dead, that he ascended on high, that he's King of Kings coming back again, that he was all God, all man, raised from the dead, the beautiful Lamb of God. Okay? When you begin to meet in the name of Jesus, what does that look like? It looks like this. If I walked into this studio, and let's say we're having a prayer meeting here. If all of us walked in and said, I'm here for Michael, I've come in the name of Michael. That's not going to get you very far. But if your heart cries out, I have come in the name of Jesus, all of a the sudden, there's an awareness of the Lord's presence. And that makes all the difference 
in the world. That simple awareness is the game changer. It's that when you create a culture that makes people aware of the Lord, not aware of you, not aware of your ministry, not aware of your gift set, not aware of your sermons, not aware of our plans and all of our programs. They're great, but without Jesus, it's just a YMCA. What differentiates us, what separates us as the church from the rest of the world is the presence of the Holy Spirit, Jesus in the midst. And so Jesus said, if you come in my name, if you gather in my name, there's something about gathering. There is something about gathering that your prayer closet won't bring you. And you know me. I love prayer. Okay? But there's something about gathering. There's a, 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 a place, or I should say, an experience of His manifest presence that gathering brings that nothing else can do. So if we gather, two or three, in His name, He is there. He is there. So... I wonder if we really understand that He is there. And, 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 and let's back up. Who is there? Once we understand the character of the Lord, who He is, how beautiful He is, how able He is, how merciful He is, how powerful He is, how long-suffering He is, once we understand that it's Him that's there, you know, we're not talking about Michael or, you know, whoever, your favorite preacher, I don't know. We can only do so much, but I mean, I'm talking about Jesus Christ, the one who was buried and just sat up to embarrass death, the one who led captivity captive, the one who filled Jerusalem with resurrected saints during the 40 days prior to his ascension. I'm talking about a mighty God, an incredible God, a loving Jesus. Think of this. Who could... Turn over the tables to the money changers and whip them with a whip he made and at the same time put children on his feet and bless them. And if you read the book of Matthew, Matthew's account, think of this Jesus. He takes a whip and braids it, makes the whip, the Bible says, whips them with it because they made a mockery. They were basically ripping people off so that people could give to God their offerings. Jesus makes the whip. He sits down and makes it. I don't know about you. Number one, I don't want to get hit with a whip that Jesus made. If God makes the whip, it's going to work. Are you hearing me? When a whip works, that means it hurts. That's the whole point. I would never want to get hit with a whip God made. Number two, I wouldn't want to get hit with the whip that God was swinging. I'm sure the Lord's... I was a golfer before I got in the ministry played college and professional golf. I'm sure the Lord's club head speed on the whip is off the charts. I wouldn't want him to hit me with that. Now, you read on in Matthew, the Bible says Jesus began to heal the people. So he whipped them up, turned over the tables, and then he healed them. Who is like him? He's amazing. You know, we say things, oh, you're the lion and you're the lamb. Do we really know what we're talking about? Without trying, Jesus just is. He is the I am. That's what he said before Abraham was. I am. That's the Jesus that's in our midst. That one right there. What an honor. What a privilege. When you gather in his name, he is there. And he's not only there, it gets even better. 
Can you believe that? It gets even better. He's in, he is even in the midst of us. That's Jesus in the midst. He becomes the very presence we experience, the very presence we breathe, the very presence that gives us life. He is there. You know, there's an old story about the Russians when they came down to visit Hagia Sophia, which is now a mosque in Istanbul. When they came down uh, to Constantinople to visit this beautiful Hagia Sophia, they witnessed the church taking communion. And during the communion meal, this was their testimony, there was such a presence of some kind when they took this meal that it converted them, that it converted them, and they took the gospel with them, and the rest is history. This is what the Holy Spirit can do. This is His aim, to glorify the Lord in the Scriptures, to glorify Jesus among us. This is what He does. It's His privilege to do this. So, when there is that presence that those Russians saw in that church, when you begin to speak the Word of God from that platform, in other words, when you understand that Jesus is there, and then you begin to declare the Word of God, the Scriptures, something happens. It's in verse 3. Remember, the Spirit hovered, God said, what was the result? Let there be light. There was light. And the Bible says, and there was light. That's when the lights go off in our heart. That's when we see, oh my gosh. That's when we realize eternity. That's when we realize the love of Jesus. That's when we realize the fact that He died for us. That's when we realize that I don't have to die with this sickness. When the lights go on, I don't have to live this kind of life. I don't have to live bitter. I don't have to live upset. I don't have to live with unforgiveness. I don't have to live, you know, if your parents died a certain way, the lights go on. Wait a second. I'm a different breed. Jesus is my big brother. He's the firstborn. He's the firstfruits. None of that matters anymore. He's become, he's the Lord of my life. He's, he, he, he's, he's the firstborn from the dead. And you begin to realize these things when the lights go on. And the reason, guys, listen to me, the reason we're not seeing what was in the Bible, it's not because the Lord's done doing that stuff. The Lord doesn't change. If He's done doing that, is He done saving souls? Let me be really clear. The Lord doesn't do miracles and heal the sick because of the amazing uh, giftings and talents of people. There one, there's one reason that miracles still happen through His people because of this the Holy Spirit's still here it's not because of us it's because of the Holy Spirit and as long as the Holy Spirit's here on earth who is the Spirit of Jesus he'll do what Jesus did so the reason we don't I mean we, we see a lot but the reason many don't see what's been promised is because sometimes we fail to realize that we need the Holy Spirit We need Him. But before we start speaking, can we just give a moment in our own hearts to give Him attention? Then we're standing on this platform of of authority as the Holy Spirit now begins to become uh, real to our hearts. He's always real, but real to us. Scripture calls Him the Spirit of faith. Faith is available. And from that platform, we declare the Word. 
I'm not saying you have to feel a bunch of stuff all over your body, but I'm saying this. There is never a reason for a believer who has the Holy Spirit living inside of them, which he can't get any closer to you than that. He is closer to you than the shirt on your back. There is never a reason why we can't be aware of, the, of the, all, this amazing God who lives inside of us. Okay? So the Spirit hovered, God spoke, and there was. Remember that. Create a, an atmosphere for the Lord in your home. Worship the Lord in the morning. You know, I, I, I'm not a legalist. I get it. Some people just can't. But I, this would be my question. If the Lord wants the tithe from your mere finances, okay, and the tithe is not a tenth. The tithe means the first tenth. Do you think it's possible the Lord wants the tithe of your time? The tithe of your heart? The tithe of the, your time alone with Him? So begin to do that. Begin to give the Lord. Begin to, it's not only the fact that you're going in. It matters to Him when we go in, how we go in, what He means to us when we go in to pray. That creates an atmosphere of, of presence in your house. And begin to, with your children, let them enjoy the Lord. One of the, the, best, one of the best things we ever did as a family was go to Bethel. Our kids learned the value for the presence of the Lord when we lived there for a few months. Change our life. Change our life. We begin to see that it's possible to have a, to, to value the presence personally, as a couple, as a family, uh, from there, as a ministry, if that can happen, your neighborhoods can have it. If that can happen, then your block can have it. If that can happen, then your city can experience the presence of the Lord. If your city can experience the presence of the Lord, your county can experience the presence of the Lord. If the county can, a state can, if the state can, a region can, if a region can, the nations can, if the nations can, the world can. But that's how it works. You begin to value the presence of the Lord and still valuing the power of the Word of God. And from that place, you declare what God has said, no matter what is being thrown your way. You declare what God has said, and the lights go on. And when the lights go on, remember, it's in light that we see light. Oh my gosh, you say things like this. I can't believe what I've been missing, Lord, but I'm here. I'm here. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.